Welcome to the Success by Design podcast, where we teach professional women to achieve success on their own terms. In a world that often tells us we're not enough and that success requires sacrificing our well-being, we're here to challenge that narrative. Our podcast teaches you how to close your confidence gap, avoid burnout and overwhelm, and navigate demanding careers without sacrificing your personal life. We provide actionable strategies and insights to help you boost your peace, your potential, and your paycheck. Subscribe and review our podcast today, and let's start designing the life you deserve. So today, we're going to talk about psychological safety and how to build trust in the workplace. Psychological safety become a popular topic today, and it means a lot of different things when people think about psychological safety. But in our conversation today, we're going to talk about psychological safety in the workplace in a sense of people feeling comfortable to be themselves feeling okay to speak up, feeling okay that they can share their ideas and knowing that they won't be judged, they won't be criticized, but they feel comfortable. And when they have psychological safety, then you build stronger teams. If we think about our own work experiences, think about teams we've been on or leaders we've had, or even as your own leader experience and leading your team, how psychologically safe have you felt at work? When I think back to some of my teams and I think about my leaders, I definitely have had teams where I felt really comfortable sharing things with, giving ideas. And because of that, I think the team prospered, the team grew. Everyone would hear ideas, even if they weren't the best ideas sometimes, we would be able to talk about it and discuss them and everyone felt safe. I've also had the experience of being on teams where I was scared to speak up or scared to share an idea because I knew I might be criticized or they might say it's a bad idea or they wouldn't consider it for different reasons. Biases come into play in that when we think about that too, which we can discuss a little later. But, and even with leaders, I've had certain leaders where I felt really comfortable in our one-on-one sharing how I'm feeling, sharing my goals. If I'm having any challenges, any issues, then there have been leaders where they ask me how I'm doing and I say, fine. We know how those conversations go, right? Are you having any challenges? Nope, everything's great. How's the work going? Work is going fine. Need any help for me? Nope, I'm good. And you know, the one-on-one is over and done. Now, did I feel, did I trust my manager fully? No, because if I trusted them, I would open up. And that's one thing that I really stress when I talk to my clients and leaders that they need to build trust in their relationships with their employees because when their employees trust them, they're going to go the extra mile. There's this exercise that I do with my clients when they go through an emotional intelligence workshop. And it's called the good boss, bad boss. And I ask them to think about one of the best bosses or mentors they've ever had and what qualities that they like in that person. How far would they go? What extent would they put forth extra effort? Would they go the extra mile for that leader? And those good leaders, they definitely would give their best to go the extra mile. Then I asked them to think about the worst boss or more that they've ever had and how they rate them. And would they go, did they trust them? Would they go the extra mile for them? And usually the level of trust was very, very low. And that was because they didn't feel safe around them. And that's where psychological safety comes into play. So when we think back about that, think about you and how you're coming across at work. Are you providing a safe place for your employees? They feel safe sharing with you. Do your teammates and peers, how do they feel sharing with you? And then what do you do with that information? as well? Do they know you're not going to take it further? That you're not going to share it? It's not going to be gone around the office. Do they feel safe that they can come share that with you? What has been your experience with that? You know, it's quite interesting because as I was listening, I was bowing my head because you're right. Trust is the number one element that is linked to psychological safety. And I remember that when I went through exactly the same exercise, like when we do emotional intelligence workshop, one of the elements is creating this two-lane 
these two columns of good versus bad leaders or managers or so on and so forth. And the list of bad management is so long compared to the good one is quite interesting. But one of the number one thing that you could find into the two columns is trust. I, the reason why I feel that this person is a good trust or the experience that they had is based on trust. And so when trust is no longer there, it's impacting productivity. It's impacting organizational performance. It's impacting anxiety. I was actually reading a study reported by Harvard Business Review done by Queen Schools of Business and the Gallup organization. And they revealed that disengaged workers at 37% create higher absences, 49% more accidents, 60% of more errors are detected when trust is no longer there, when the psychological safety of people, their boundaries, their space is impacted by the lack of trust, how it's affecting the individual. And on top of that, in organization with low employee engagement score, they also reported that 18% have lower productivity, 16% lower profitability, 37% lower job growth, and 65% lower share price over time, which also shows how a lack of trust creates workplace stress. And it's costing billions of dollars to companies when they don't increase the trust aspect. And we, because automatically it's impacting your workplace well-being so that your engagement on top of that is impacting, your productivity is impacted, and you're reducing the people problems in your organization once you deal with that element that people call soft skills, which is trust. But the truth is it's not a soft skill. It's not a soft skill at all. It's actually a very more core element of your culture. I couldn't agree more. And you brought up some really great points because as you were talking about that, it made me think about employee engagement. And when people feel safe at work, that's going to increase employee engagement. And you're going to have more people involved and you're going to also what? Not lose team members. Retention when is a big issue going on right now. And when people don't feel safe, they what? You look elsewhere. You go and search for safety. So if I'm not feeling like I have a trusting relationship with my manager or my leaders, in my team, then I'm going to feel a certain way. And it's going to make me want to look elsewhere where I can go feel something else. People may say, well, you're going to have problems everywhere. That's true. Your work family is like your team, your family. We all have, we're going to fight and fuss. We're going to have disagreements, but how you deal with that? How do I feel? How do I trust is very important. How do they make me feel? And so I think about when you're thinking about working with people, problem solving, engaging your customers, engaging your peers, all that is so important because again, it builds trust. And we know that any relationship, professional or personal, is built on trust. And once that trust is broken, that relationship is in need of repair. And sometimes it's very hard to get that back. And sometimes it may not ever come back. And if it does, it takes a long time to build. So as a leader, how are you building trust with your employees? One way to do that is definitely it's in your one-on-one meetings. And I talk to all my clients about definitely having those one-on-ones because they're so important to have, to have those discussions. That's where you're able to sit back and get to know the person, know what makes them tick. What do they like? What do they dislike? And it's not just the work. It's all not just work, but also knowing them. When people know that you have an interest in them, a true genuine interest, they're going to give more for you. 
And then you're also able to talk about then those challenges and those things that come up and have those real conversations. And then you're also available to talk to them about growth, where they can go and how are they doing? What are their goals? What would they like to do? Are you challenging them enough? Things like that. I remember when I had a manager and she brought me in and she said, Haley, what do you want to do? And I said, what do you mean what do I want to do? I'm, I'm doing my job, aren't I? And she said, yes, you're doing your job. You're doing a great job. But she was like, I can tell you're probably getting a little bored. And I'm like, you know what? You are right. I am getting a little bored. I'm not being challenged anymore. And she said, tell me, what do you want to do next? What would make you happy? And you know what? That kept me going. I was so excited that she even realized that in me and saw that in me and wanted me to do that. And I hear that from a lot of conversations when I'm talking to different ones that they've been told by their leaders, hey, what do you want to do? And a lot of times they're like, I don't know. <laughs> because they don't think about that. We're not used to that. We're not used to our leaders taking that interest. So I would love for you, if you're a leader or a manager or managing people, have a one-on-one with them and ask them, what would they like to do? Are they doing what they want to do right now? Is there something that, that they want to try that they've never even thought about before? Is there another, maybe if they've you know, done, been at the company for a while, maybe it's another department or another team they want to go on or something they want to try or just get their feet wet a little bit. Give them that opportunity. Be that advocate for them. And that will help build trust in your relationship. I completely agree. Looking at trust from that angle, it's actually increasing your curiosity. Curiosity is a superpower. And the reason why I speak about it is because curiosity and effective communication skills goes hand in hand together. Be genuinely curious about the other person that is reporting to you. Be generously curious about their well-being. And when someone knows that you're curious and you really want, like it shows care, right? So you're caring for the other person. You're dropping the judgment. Because if you're bringing curiosity and then you're judging the person, the other person will know that intent versus motivation. And so when you're looking at the other person from a curious perspective, keeping them in possibility, keeping them in a space of, I know you want more. I'm very curious about, tell me more, hearing more, creating a space of coaching, a learning and coaching culture will help you determine what your employees are looking for. I like that when you brought that up, because it was making me think about self-awareness as well. And, you know, we both love emotional intelligence and talk about it all the time. And self-awareness is one of the main components of emotional intelligence. And when you are self-aware of how you are coming across to your team, the perception maybe that you have, we all have our own perceptions of how we come across to others. But having those conversations with those around us to find out how we're coming across. Assessments are a great way to do that, especially those 360 assessments. And there are many different ones. The Emotional Intelligence 360 assessment is really good because it helps you to see how others are viewing you. How are you showing empathy? How self-aware are you of yourself? How self-aware are you of others? How are you at team building? How are you promoting others? All those things come up and it really helps you to stop and think about what am I doing? How am I promoting you know, self-awareness of others and of the team. I think about when others want you to, you know, feel comfortable sharing things. Maybe your team is having some issues. Maybe they're not getting along as well. You know, the way the work is looking now, everyone's still adjusting and having to go back to the office. Still some people being at home, learning that whole thing. People, you know, afraid, are they going to lose their jobs if I don't go to work? If I do go to work, what's that going to look like? If I stay home, what is that going to look like? So we still have all those thoughts going around in our heads and it can have some turmoil on the team. And people may be afraid to speak up if they don't feel safe about how it is. So encourage your team to share. And when you let them know it's a safe place to share, they feel comfortable. They get things off their chest. They're not holding it in. And then you don't have to wonder when they walk in or send you that email of they're resigning. You don't have to be, you wouldn't be shocked. If you're having those conversations ahead of time, you can cut that off. 
and you can let them know I hear you or I want to hear you and I want to know your thoughts. When you have team meetings, ask them, just say, hey, I want to know what are you all thinking? You may not be able to change management is happening a lot in a lot of organizations as well. And, you know, we can't always change the change. You know, the change can happen and we don't have any control over it. But with your teams, how can you help them to feel safe? Let them voice their concerns. Maybe you can't change anything at the moment, but listening to them, asking them their opinions, all of that helps them to feel safe and to build trust with you and know that you have their back. I love that because it levels the playing field. And I would add from an emotional intelligence perspective, since we, you brought that up, I would add empathy, embrace empathy, not sympathy. Renee Brown summarized empathy versus sympathy in her talk, but mainly what it means is that sympathy is acknowledging that the other person is going through an emotional or physical struggle and offering them comfort. A lot of people are, have sympathy. But empathy is bringing it forward, is actually understanding what the other person is feeling because you've had a similar experience yourself, or you're able to put yourself in that person's shoes and actually feel stronger feeling with them. So it's really removing yourself from a comfortable, don't want to be too much in your face type of scenario, if I'm putting it in these words, but empathy is really bringing the reflection to the extent of I'm walking this with you. And when you do that and you're creating this environment for your employees, you're bringing the conversation to a very much safer place with no judgment, as we talked earlier, with curiosity and really with binding connection with that person so that that person now feels the intent of your actions that, okay, she or he wants to really listen to me. She or he really wants to have my business or my career in their hand and they really are caring and they really are there for me. It's really as simple as that. Many people say empathy is a very hard thing to practice. I'm not going to lie. It is true. If it's not something that you're used to, and especially with the society that we have, many people have grown up with being sympathy and creating that individual mindset, right? But empathy brings the connection. So it's all about relationship. It's the connection to the next level. And I invite leaders, managers, directors, VPs, and even employees to practice empathy today. Ooh, honey. I love it. I love it. Empathy. Yes. Yes. That's really a big thing for leaders to have today is empathy because we know everyone has something going on, right? And we all come to work that we have to show up at work. We want to show up as ourselves, but we have things that can, you know, cause us sometimes to not be our best self and having an empathetic leader. I was telling someone a story about, you know, when you walk into work, and, you know, some, if you're having a bad day, maybe you could have got a flat tire, maybe you had a sick child, maybe the dog, you know, dog wouldn't use the bathroom and you were late. Just all these things happening and going on and you get to work that day. And then somebody walks up to you in your face and they ask you some crazy question and maybe you just like go off on them. And you know, that's not you, but you just had all that going on. And then, of course, how is that person going to respond? They might get an attitude or they might, you know, take offense or to go tell somebody else, you know, she just told me, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when you're empathetic, you may pause for a moment. And instead of that, who does she think she is talking to me like that? Maybe, you know what? You look like you may have had a bad morning. Let's go to the break room and get some coffee. Let's go outside and just take a quick five minute walk. Just something to get them out of that 
and you don't know how much they could do for that person. Or maybe leave them alone at that moment and maybe revisit them later on in the day and say, you know what? I noticed you may, maybe your morning wasn't going so good. Let's go grab lunch or let's take a walk outside. When we're empathetic and try to put ourselves in the other person's shoes, that's what to me empathy really comes about. And that's when you're able to start practicing empathy and being able to make it part of your everyday. So it's not that you have to put forth the effort then, but then it becomes more natural for you to do. And you, then you find yourself doing it without even thinking about it. Maybe it's somebody holding the elevator door open for you. Maybe you were carrying a whole bunch of stuff and the door was closing and that person held it for you and you were able to get in. And that just made that person's day. So it's so many little things that we can do to help build relationships, build trust, be empathetic and let people know that we share. Something else that I thought about also is that a lot of times people think that when we're a team, we have to get along all the time and everybody has to agree all the time. Again, earlier I spoke about in a family. In a family, we're not always going to get, we're going to get on each other's nerves sometimes. We're going to argue sometimes. And so when you're with a team, being safe to respect other people's opinion, but also not having to agree with them. Like you and I can have a discussion and I don't have to agree with you, but we're able to share and still have a discussion and share our ideas and different viewpoints and we respect each other. And respect is another big key to building trust and having that in those relationships. Because then when you respect people as well, you treat them a certain way and that's going to make them feel safe and feel good being around you. So I don't know if you had any experiences of something similar to that or having those bad days and somebody really you know, being kind to you, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I would say, yes, I have. I have. I would say that I was the person in having a bad day. The other person had a bad day. Actually, it was a virtual call. So I had called. So, you know, happy. I hadn't spoken with that person for a long time. So I called and following up and we had, you know, we were working on a project and that person had a really bad morning. Like daughter was doing really bad, having a moment in her morning. And so, of course, as a parent, a working parent, she felt it. She was a manager at the time. And so I called, not knowing what was going on. And I heard the humph, right? You know, like this big humph that you have on the phone. And I could hear the breath very heavy on the phone. And I just stopped. Like whatever I was doing, the project that had deadlines, I stopped. Because I knew nothing was going to move forward if that person's mind was not there. And so I just created space. I just said, how can I support you? Tell me what's going on. And that question of how are you doing, but really not like the weather question in the elevator, right? But really the question of how are you doing? And I met every word of it and I waited. And initially I could feel the, you know, you want to toss with a question off, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then I'm like, no, really, how are you doing? And it was genuine. And by creating that or just saying that, really meaning it, she opened up. She felt safe. I knew she felt safe because she's not a person who would divulge more about what was going on in her personal life. And so I just waited and listened and then very much attentively. And then I wasn't there to offer solution. That's not what she wanted. That's not what she needed. She just needed someone to hear. And then once she, you know, what I call in my program, holding the bucket, when I hold the bucket and then she poured everything she needed to pour, then she was okay. She's like, thank you so much for like, at the time, people knew that it was holding the bucket, holding the bucket. And then we focus on work. And it was it. We didn't bring it up. She felt much better. I could hear it. She was more productive. She was more focused. And it's kind of like going and taking someone as Haley, you mentioned, taking that person to take a walk, right? It's creating that reset from an emotional perspective, from a thought perspective, and allowing that person to say, you know what, your emotions will not stay at the door once you cross the office door. I know that many 
many people say that. I've heard it for the last 20 years. It doesn't happen. Human beings have all the behaviors, all the emotions, all the personal and professional life. They don't have a split personality, which means that there's not a Grigishka A that's going to be at the door and then I pick her up at four o'clock in the afternoon. That doesn't work. It's the same A and B that will be at the office. The thing is, I have a new thing saying about the alter ego, right? So the Grigishka A versus the Grigishka B. The Grigishka A is the authentic person who comes and is happy. And then she sees the office and she's like the business person. And then she crosses it. And then she picks up the alter ego of Grigishka and then goes up the elevator, goes to her office, says hi to people because she's all professional, all this and all that. That is not reality because eventually the alter ego, which brought you from where you were to where you are, wherever you want to go, that alter ego, unless you create another alter ego, that alter ego will want to have the authenticity because there's a missing piece in her there's, or in him. There's a missing piece because the two person, the authentic person that you left at the door and the alter one that you had in the elevator needs to be one and they need to know each other. They need to manage one another. They need to be able to co-create together so that they can bring themselves to the next level. I know this is a completely different subject. We're going to go there in another, if that's something that you are very eager to make sure that you send us a memo, we'll be very glad to speak about the alter ego. But if not, again, just use the tools and the tricks that we have shared today about establishing trust in the office, in the workplace, in your environment, and building the psychological safety environment so that your employee can engage, can connect, and can communicate effectively. Yes. Another discussion will definitely be about the alter ego and who you might leave in that elevator and who you might take into the office. So we will definitely talk about that more. And definitely let us know your thoughts and your comments about that as we take that to another episode. So thank you so much for joining our conversation about psychological safety and trust. Usually we leave some tips. I actually want to leave you with a challenge today. I want you to think about one thing you can do over the next couple of weeks of how you can help ensure their psychological safety at the workplace. Maybe it's one person that you want to build a stronger relationship with. Maybe it's helping the team in the meeting. Maybe it's just sharing something that you may have felt scared to share or that you don't want to share or speaking up with an idea in your next team meeting, asking questions. Pick one thing and I challenge you to do that. And I would love for you to share with us in the comments how that challenge goes and how it made you feel and how it helped you build trust and again, increase the psychological safety at your workplace. That's it for this episode. And as always, you have the power to create the life you want. So go out there and intentionally design your success today. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time on the Success by Design podcast.